0: Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. Today is Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. On this day in 1946, the Battle of Alcatraz ended. Six inmates imprisoned in Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary seized the prison and initiated a bloody jailbreak. In the aftermath, 15 victims were left wounded and five men lay dead. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from ParCast. Due to the graphic nature of this crime, listener discretion is advised. This episode contains depictions of violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the last day of the Battle of Alcatraz. Let's go back to San Francisco, California, May 4th, 1946. The battle between inmates and guards raged for two days before the Marines finally infiltrated the cell block. Inside, a brigade of murderous convicts had staged a violent coup. They had hostages, weaponry, and deep conviction that they'd make it off the prison island. But the Marines had other ideas. Methodically, SWAT forces drilled holes in the ceiling and dropped in grenades, careful to avoid the cells where they believed hostages were held. Suddenly, the battalion detonated their explosives, and after a beat, the cells grew silent. When they unbolted the cell block door, They found the slain ringleader, Bernard Coy, wet with blood, sweat, and axle grease. Only two days earlier, he had seemed unstoppable. Coy was in the clink for holding up a bank with a sawed-off shotgun in 1937. He was sentenced to 26 years and shipped off to The Rock. That was the nickname for America's highest security prison, Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary. The prison sat on a craggy 22-acre island in the San Francisco Bay, just over a mile and a half from the shore. Concrete and steel made the joint inescapable. And in case an inmate managed to slip out, forceful currents surrounding the rock ensured there was no chance of him swimming to shore. Moreover, metal detectors lined the grounds, and the facility employed a high-tech mechanical locking system that guards utilized to open individual cells remotely. The prison housed the most infamous criminals of the day. George Machine Gun Kelly, Robert Birdman Stroud, and Al Scarface Capone all spent time at Alcatraz. But Bernard Coy refused to rot behind bars. After being locked up for nearly a decade, he decided it was time to find a way off the rock. Throughout his incarceration, Coy observed the guards' habits. After carefully considering their daily moves and noting their weaknesses, he devised an escape plan with five henchmen. Eventually, he discovered a potential flaw in the building's layout. The prison's gun gallery was essentially a cage, but the bars seemed pliable. Coy figured he could pry them far enough apart to shove himself through and secure some weapons. Once armed, the inmates could take on the guards. Knowing it would be a tight squeeze, he refused meals for weeks. He managed to shave off a good 20 pounds. The battle began on May 2nd, 1946. The first step was to overpower the guard who opened Marvin Hubbard's cell gate. Hubbard was Coy's right hand in the operation. Together, the convicts grabbed the guard and beat him within an inch of his life. Next, Coy grabbed the bloody officer's keys and set three more convicts free. Then he put on the incapacitated guard's uniform and covered his head, chest, arms, and legs in axle grease so he could slip through the bars. Oiled up, he scaled the unguarded gun gallery. When he reached the top, he sent a signal to his cohorts, who sprang into action. He then used some swiped pipes and pliers to pull back the gun gallery bars, just enough to shove his body through. Just as Coy landed inside the gun cage, a guard snuck up. But Coy used the officer's necktie to strangle him. The man dropped to the ground unconscious, and Coy raided the gallery for guns and ammunition. As another guard passed by, Coy grabbed a riot club, then crouched behind the gallery door. When the officer entered, Coy slammed the steel door into him, The officer stumbled, and Coy bludgeoned him to the ground. Quickly, Coy strangled him, then rushed to lower a supply of firearms and riot clubs to his accomplices. Now armed, the prisoners made their way to the exercise yard. On their way, they captured nine guards and locked them up in empty cells. Things seemed to be working out for Coy and his boys, Until they realized they couldn't actually unlock the door to the recreation yard. Coy tried every key on the overthrown guard's key ring, but couldn't jimmy the gate open. Suddenly, a small army of officers gathered on the other side of the cell block door. Without a sound backup plan, Coy opened fire with a rifle he'd stolen from the gallery. Hearing the shots, one of Koi's co-conspirators, Joseph Dutch Kretzer, felt the operation floundering. Panicking, Dutch made the split-second decision to kill his hostages so they couldn't testify. Trembling, he used his purloined revolver to unload rounds of ammo into the cell of captive guards, fatally wounding one of the officers. By the night of May 3rd, corrections officers were joined by the San Francisco police and the Marines. Armed forces assaulted the prison from the outside. They bombarded the cell block with rifles and grenades as night shrouded the island battle. Coy tried to stand his ground, but the force from outside the cell block was too great. He could tell the jig was up, but wouldn't let go. Instead of surrendering, he retreated with two of his men to a nearby utility corridor to hide. The bloodbath continued deep into the morning of May 4th. Flame and smoke trails illuminated the bay as San Francisco residents rushed the shoreline wharves to investigate the commotion. Little did they know, a great slaughter was taking hold of the prison rock. Coming up, Alcatraz's warden sends strike teams into the fray to rescue the captive guards. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from ParCast and premieres Monday, May 3rd. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now, back to the story. On May 4, 1946, San Francisco's supposedly escape-proof prison, Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary, had been under siege by a handful of inmates for almost two days. Convicted bank robber Bernard Coy led the gang, but his mission to break free was about to meet a dead end. When news of the escaped convicts reached the prison's administrative office, the warden hustled to gather a team of lieutenants. They initiated a plan to send in strike forces to rescue the nine caged prison guards. Lieutenant Phil Bergen was selected to lead the charge. Covertly, he and his men jumped to clear the corridor so the SWAT team could make it into the cell house. But at the top of the stairs, Coy's cohorts were ready Firing rifle rounds at the assault teams, Bergen's men returned fire to vanquish the convict's attack. Amidst the spray of bullets, Bergen rushed to a downed officer to offer assistance. Meanwhile, his men cleared the way. Coy and his gang defended themselves vigilantly. They hit four SWAT officers, one of whom died on the spot, the battle's first casualty. Still, Bergen carried on. The standoff lasted nearly 48 hours. Pipes burst from the persistent bombardment, flooding D-Block and drenching prisoners and guards alike. One of Bergen's men made it through the rain of fire to lock the D-Block access door, trapping Coy and his men in C-Block. While the escapees were able to take out the rogue guard, they realized their chances of getting off the island were dying. One by one, Koi's men began to retreat. On May 4th, the final morning of the battle, the Marines charged the cell block, detonating grenades and giving several prisoners concussions. Their only shields had been their soggy mattresses. Once inside, the Marines discovered a uniformed koi dead in a bay of his own blood. Two more members of his escapee gang lay nearby, lifeless in crimson puddles. The convicts had clearly died from bullets and shrapnel wounds. All told, five men were killed in the Battle of Alcatraz, the three wishful escapees, and two valiant guards but there were more deaths on the horizon. Two of the remaining schemers were given the death sentence. After the battle, they were carted off to the gas chamber at San Quentin State Prison and executed. Only one inmate soldier survived, His name was Clarence Carnes, and he was the youngest inmate ever incarcerated at Alcatraz. Imprisoned at 16 for murdering a garage attendant, Carnes tried to stop Coy and the others from killing the guards. For this, the court softened his punishment, adding 99 years to his initial sentence. Carnes remained locked up at Alcatraz until it shut down on March 21, 1963. A decade later, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area adopted the jail and converted it to a museum. Today, it's a favorite spot amongst tourists. More than a dozen attempts to break free of the island prison were made over the years, but no inmate ever succeeded. Still, some say if you stand in the center of C Block and close your eyes, you'll feel an extreme coldness. It's as if the frigid spirits of the prisoners who died there are trying to inhabit your body, doing all they can to escape the rock. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells and Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.